From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earwicker, and we are here with Pastor Spencer Schaber, our youth pastor here at Westside Church. Welcome, Spencer, to the podcast. Always good to be here. Always good to have you. We uh, we have a good time every time you join us for this podcast. Hopefully. Yeah, youth ministry take over yeah. today. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Generational, excuse me. Generational. How's the new year been for you boys? It's been a, it's been delightful. I mean, other than winter camp, just absolutely, you know, dominating everything and kicking my butt. Uh, it's been great. But yes. You come right out of the holidays into that. That's kind of tough. That's tough. Yeah. It's a difficult stretch there. And uh, we missed this podcast last week because of winter camp. We were all there mm-hmm. hanging out with the youths. I realized, uh, I, like, who was here? Uh, Mike, our executive pastor, and Steve was here for the morning. Yeah. I think Casey, and Pastor Casey out. was here in the mm-hmm. evening. For oh, services. my gosh. So it was kind of a skeleton crew I hear back here. Well, it's just awesome to think that, like, literally the entire church for the most part, because Stephen Suzanne ended up coming up, is up there supporting us, and and it's just cool to have that level of buy-in from the entire church. Yeah, and all this really rolled into what the church has done over the last couple of weeks. We had a, mm-hmm. a giving initiative talking about camp this last week. Of course, we had camp the week before, and then Evan, this weekend, you got to talk about generational ministry uh, from the pulpit, right. obviously in, in a, a preaching format. It mm-hmm. wasn't just... Yeah talking about our budgets or vision for VBS or something like that, but you got to talk about the vision that God is giving you in Westside Church for generational ministry. And it was just an awesome time really to, to see the whole church get behind that, hear about it, and uh, and now we get to talk about it. Yeah, and every time we come, because once a year we typically take a weekend to talk specifically about next generation ministry and what we're doing. Uh, and whenever I hear, oh, we, Evan, will you preach on a generation's message? Uh, the temptation is to be really... Like, here, it's our plan for the year. Here <laughs> right. are the classes we will do. Right. Here are the events we're going to do. And I really wanted to shy away from that and really get at the heart of why we even have Next Generations Ministries mm-hmm. and what it uh, kind of sparks something of inspiration in people to say, I want to play some role in the faith of you know an upcoming generation. Right. So hopefully that is what happened yesterday. Oh, totally. I felt like it was way more inspirational than it was practical. I mean, it was practical, especially in like at the end, but just there's so much that you just never even think about, why do we do Generations Ministry? Why do we do it the way we do it? And I think how you tied in the current series that we were in, The Way of Jesus, mm-hmm. with that was so yeah. good. Um, and that's where I think I'm having not the most difficult time, but it's the most important thing when I consider ministry and how to minister to young adults and how we minister to youth is, is are we displaying Jesus in the proper light? Are we giving right. Jesus a fair shake? Mm-hmm. Uh, is he really the forefront and the way of Jesus? Really what we're all about here at Westside, mm-hmm. because the, the youth, I believe, and I'm becoming less and less of a youth all the time, are finding <laughs> themselves completely disenfranchised and disinterested in being churchy or going through the motions or the games or the religiosity of it. Um, and I would say even a lot of the churches, you know, we didn't grow up with, uh, you know, maybe too many just kind of habits that we do that would be considered religious within our church services. But I think sometimes we uncover these things and we go, oh my gosh, we are a little bit more religious than I thought. And I think oh, yeah. about this a little bit more religiously. And and are we getting rid of those barriers and allowing people to be ministered to by Jesus? Yeah, I mean, I, I really, you just hit it on the on the head. Is like, I think there's so many things that, you know, we would harp on real liturgical churches to be like, 
you know, that routine or dry or, or things like that. But there's just so many little things that we have in the way. And that was one of the things I really appreciated, Evan, about your word is just talking about how Jesus, when he came on the scene, was just immediately um, overturning what was known and what was the religious aspect to allow people to approach him. You know, I think it was Luke 30, 31, 30 uh, that you quoted that was just like, you know, about, you know, I, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance because it's like not the healthy people that yeah. need a doctor. It's the sick. And I think people like in society for the most part, like love Jesus. Like what he says is like impacting. It's still powerful. Um, but I'll think a lot of times what we have set up in church is just such an impediment to people coming to Christ, which is really, you know, unfortunate. Yeah. And when you lead with compassion and love and mercy right. with people, especially young people, uh, truth can follow. And I, I, I don't know that I made that distinction yesterday, but uh, we're not talking about just throwing out any kind of truth or, oh, there's, you know, who cares how you live or who cares how you think? No, it matters, but you lead with love. And I think religion, right. what it does is it leads with the rules. Right. And if you qualify, okay, then you can belong. And what Jesus does, he says, you belong with me. I love you. I, I accept you. And out of that comes truth. Out of that comes mm. transformation. And religion gets it wrong. We get it the right. cart before the horse. And I think a new generation won't put up with that. They're right. not going to go through religious games and ho- jump through hoops. Uh, it's not worth it to them. Right. Well, it's like it, the, the scripture doesn't say like, why we were still still righteous, you know, Christ died for us. You know, it's like, no, while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, he actually died to get closer to us, right. to bring us into relationship. And I think... Man, I, I think about how often so much of my history in youth ministry was about behavior control, behavior mm-hmm. modification, when it was less about like, man, I, I think there's a rad Dietrich Bonhoeffer quote where he's like, it's not about like, you know, cautiously avoiding sin as much as it's about courageously going after the heart and will of God. Right. And so often we set up all those rules and those regulations and alienate people from that before we say, no, 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 you're welcome here. Like you belong here before you have to behave. So in that light, what do you guys think a lot of us have spent time in church and in youth ministry leading and being a part of it? What are, what are some things, what are some barriers that we have set up? Maybe each of us personally, or maybe that you've seen in the, in the light of the church. I think uh, one big thing is um, the opportunities we have for people to engage with church tend to be pretty narrow. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you have a certain skill set that really works in a church context, it usually looks like, you know, you're a musician, you can play worship, mm, or you're right. a communicator and you can speak, or uh, you can teach a small group. Beyond that, uh, you know, kind of a narrow <laughs> um, list of skills, do we really have ways for people to bring other, um, you know, skills and interests and abilities into the church and actually find a place that those things are accepted, whether it be um, artistic expressions or right. whatever, but I think we're pretty narrow, and and we don't recognize people unless they fit into these five, you know, or four different skills. So that's one thing I think we could do a better job at. Yeah, yeah and I, I I see a lot of times in I mean I listened to a youth podcast that was like, is it okay to play secular music in church? And it was just funny to me because the whole frame of discussion had nothing to do with being an outreach, and had everything to do with oh, you know, it's it's just not okay and. And I just thought about this idea of how often do we judge someone or, or like, you know, this idea of like, can a kid show up cussing and swearing and we just let them do that at a church service? And I know that for, for right away, people are like, uh-huh. but I just think, you know, I had a kid come in and he was just like cussing a storm up and I just listened to him. 
Right. And I just said, man, I'm really glad you're here rather than, hey, you can't do that. And it's the whole idea of come as you are and let Jesus work on your heart. And man, my hope is that he comes and he feels welcome every week and not like he's a bad kid that shouldn't be here. Right. Yeah. And my thing is that they're not, a lot of them aren't even following Jesus yet. Right. <laughs> a lot of the people that walk in. And so we have this idea of this standard that they should walk by are these you know, kind of cultural rules and they don't follow Jesus. And so I'm, yeah. sometimes I'm so concerned about their sexual history or whether or not they're cussing or not or what music they want to bring in and what style they kind of have and how they're talking to people. And, and in my, it doesn't always come to my mind first that, well, they don't even know Jesus. Like right. maybe let's introduce that into the picture first right. and right. then we'll allow the grace of God or their willingness and now their desire to live in a certain way, clean some of the, the rough edges up maybe. Um, instead, and not even that's the goal. Like, you're right. It's not the behavior modification. My goal is not to get young adults to stop cussing. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's for them to <laughs> see Jesus. And Brad Williams put it a great way in, in, uh, Spokane, right? Brad was from Spokane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a four square church up there. He came and spoke at, I think it was the district conference here. And he said, one of the first things that he talked about with his church when he first showed up as lead pastor was, uh, I think the, the exact phrase was, I'm a lot more concerned with the people that are out there than with all of you in here. Yeah. Like my goal yeah. as a pastor is to reach those people. And if you're here, I'm going to assume the majority of you already know Jesus. And so if you hate me, not worried about it, yeah. but those people <laughs> who don't know Jesus that exist outside of these walls, those are the one that I'm after. Yeah. Well, and I think something that also, I think Evan mentioned this too, just, just a couple of minutes ago was just that idea of like the barriers that we put up or that idea of just, and I think you said in your word, um, and correct me if I get this wrong, but you know, so often we feel like we need this extreme skill set, or we have to be so equipped or we have to be so in touch with youth culture or a young adult culture mm -hmm. when really it's just about simply being present. Right. And I think so often it's like, you know, um, I think, I don't remember who said this, but they say, you know, students spell love T I M E. Uh, in other words, man, who's investing in me? Who is there for me? Um, when it really comes down to it, it's like, man, you don't need to be like, oh, I, I'm, I'm up on the top 10 on Spotify and I could, you know, I know the newest Justin Timberlake <laughs> track, you know, or anything like that. But no, it's like, it's just simply being present in the lives of students that really makes an impact and a difference. And I think when you come to that point in ministry or as a volunteer even – where you just kind of realize, you know, I'm going to give up on trying to be the coolest thing that these guys have ever seen because uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to succeed. I tried so, so hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and so hard. when you give that up and then you realize like, I think back to high school, my best teachers were some of the most uncool, I think specifically oh my of gosh, my yeah. uh, English teacher, one of my <laughs> right. English teachers in high school, um, you know, just uh, uh, a frumpy looking lady in her probably mid fifties. <laughs> You know, just like a quintessential uh, kind of nerdy teacher type. But man, she had more effect on like my right. time in high school than right. anybody. Sure. And it wasn't because she was cool. Yeah. And that's something I'm worried about when it comes to youth ministry. I would say for the, the big church, not just us here, is is this tendency that I've experienced in my own heart that I would like to be an entertainer mm. sometimes. Right. right. And I want to throw parties and events and want to have the right amount of Instagram likes and whatever. And I'm for social media marketing and creating a word and all this stuff. Um, but I've noticed sometimes that, man, if I, I, I'm, I'm, I get high off a night where I entertained people well, where the flow was good and people laughed at my jokes. And it right. wasn't necessarily about, like you guys are talking about, that time that was invested in people. You know, was it... 
the good conversations where we able to pray over people in the, in the right way where where people who who wouldn't normally come and hear about Jesus come in and hear in Jesus that night and and there's a lot of great preachers out there that get a lot of press for um be, and it's I'm not saying it's bad I love them I listen to them mm-hmm. um, but they are great entertainers they're hilarious they're they're wonderful communicators and um, I'm just worried a little bit about youth ministry for the long term that all of us start trying to become something that we're not. And if you are a great entertainer and you turn into that, I think it's great. But man, I don't want that in my heart to say, man, if I can go out and make people laugh, yeah. then all of a sudden we've gone so far away from the original right, thing. Right, right. I think, I think there's two things that like always think about when it comes to youth ministries. One, like youth ministry, and, and this is a criticism that you, you get at any point in youth ministry where they're like, okay, you shouldn't do games. You shouldn't have fun. You should teach kids about Jesus. And the way I've always believed it is like fun is the currency in which young people speak. Totally. You know, and it's like, dude, it should be fun, you know, and it, and it removes so many walls. But at the same time, I think we do a serious disservice to young people when we undermine or underestimate their intelligence mm-hmm. and their capacity to understand and experience deep spiritual things. And so to me, I'm like, if you if you can marry a, a fun and not not in entertainment, but just in a way that connects students with each other. There's life there, and you can m- match this fun experience with actually taking kids deep and giving them knowledge, giving them actual tangible experience with Jesus. Um, you really do make breakthroughs in the lives of students yeah. because all of a sudden, like, here's a kid that had so many walls up and you made some point of connection through fun and all of a sudden they're open and receptive to hearing about Jesus. And Evan, you brought this up this last weekend when it came to suicide rate in Central Oregon, that yeah. there had been 12 youth yeah, suicides? Ac- according to KTVZ, our local news, um, 12 youth suicides in the last 12 months. And that's yeah. including like Ben Redmond. Yeah, Ben sisters. Redmond sisters. Uh, just terrible though. I mean, those stats are, are should make us that's all huge. just really, really... Uh, shocked and sad. So that's a lot. So in your in your mind and I, in all of our minds, I guess what what do we think? Since okay, now we've woken up. Especially after you talked about it, Evan, that that a lot of these things that we talk about are not the point. Getting kids to stop cussing is not the point. Just getting them in the door is not necessarily the point. Um, but man, when the when we understand that the youth and the young adults are dealing with these really massive issues, you know, everybody wants to talk about. Man, we just got to get them off their phones. We just got to get them away from killing each other. Sometimes killing themselves. You know, so what do we do, you guys? What what do we do? What's West Side going to do? What are yeah. you guys thinking about to try to combat some of the serious darkness that's coming against the youth? Well, for the first thing, when I read a statistic like that, I feel like we need to own this. Like, uh, you know, we're a large church in a small town, right. and the suicide rate is way higher than e- even other cities right. per capita in our state. We got to own some of that. Yeah. Like, this is mm-hmm. on us, you guys. And um, I wouldn't have thought it in Bend. Honestly, yeah. like, it's a well off place. There's a lot of affluent people, you know, educate, whatever. Um, it's not like a lot of the other places that I've lived. I wouldn't have expected it here, and, and yet here it exists. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not a, in my life, I'm not a big, like, oh, the devil's going to get you. Um, but there definitely is a spiritual battle happening, you know? And I think coming from the community I came from is like 13,000 people. I, and doing seven years of youth ministry, I don't, even remember a single kid ever taking his own life in the school district. And so when I came here and already there was just a systemic thing, you know, and, and just seeing how many students that have come through youth group, how many students that I know that have, um, you know, even just attempted that, um, it's staggering. And I think right away it's saying, all right, like it, it comes back to choosing the right battles and saying like, like you said on your message, man, like our kids are dying 
are we fighting the right battles here? And like, what are we going to do about this? And I think right away, it's like, it's acknowledging, it's talking about it. It's saying like, all right, like even in our messages and our communication, like, cool, we're going to do a study through revelation. How's this helping a student in his depression? How's this helping a student in his anxiety? Um, you know, we're going to talk about like why you shouldn't date in the proper way. <laughs> you know, it's like, is this, is this, is everything that we're doing aimed at at least somewhat addressing this issue? And I think you have to really look at what you're doing and say, all right, like what are we actually like practical strides are we making? I mean, and I think already just to, we had talked about, um, I think, was it, is it the police department that's putting on that seminar? Uh, I think it just shoots County, but yeah, there's a uh, suicide Mm. prevention seminar. Right. And then we talked about talking to getting school counselors together. And and I think it's like, as soon as you have that, that burden on your heart, it's making immediate steps. Um, Because I think so often we like like to wait, like to do things, but sometimes you're just like, man, let's pull the trigger on this, let's get going, and let's let's really see what we can do to make an impact with our students, you know? Yeah, and I'm I'm very open about the fact that we need professional outside um, assistance in knowing what to do here. Um, uh, Like you said, the the spiritual aspect is very real. Uh, We have an Mm -hmm. enemy. We are in a fight. Um, and then there's another side of it too, uh, where there are practical steps to be taken in the conversations we have, how to spot signs of depression and yeah. self-harm, things like that, that, yeah. uh, we're not necessarily, uh, trained for, uh, as much as we could be. And so, you know, I, I want to make it a goal this year to really have us as a team, our volunteers really raise the level of, of knowledge and awareness and training on what to look for and, and how to just very practically, uh, make a difference, um, but I, I think it's both. You know, yeah. it's spiritual and it's and it's physical, and we gotta we gotta engage both ways, right? And it's and it's creating an environment that isn't doesn't shame a student. If you're like, hey, if you're struggling with that, um, it's okay. And I yeah. think so. We so, don't want to add to it for sure, right? And it's been it's been in a it's been a topic of shame for so long, where it's like, if you think that way, I mean, how could you do that? I mean, life's great. How could you? You live in Central Oregon. How could you ever even think that way? Yeah. Um, and I think so many students that I've even talked to are just so ashamed of it. And it's like, no, you know, I mean, like it's okay, you know, it's okay, you know, and to let there be a culture of uh, transparency and authenticity, sure. and you have mm-hmm. to have to create that really from the leadership up. Yeah. Well, even bringing it up on a Sunday morning this week. Huge. Uh, really something I weighed because, you know, it's, it's supposed to be an inspirational thing. Sure. People don't right. want to leave Sunday feeling down and sad about life or the world. <laughs> yeah. But at some point we have to say, no, we have to talk about this. Yeah. Not talking about it isn't helping anybody. And no. even after one of the services, um, one of our parents of one of our kids that recently attempted suicide and right now is in wow. um, treatment in a program up in Portland, she came up and said, thank you for talking about this. Uh, because silence is not the answer. We can't pretend it's not there. We can't yeah. just gloss over and say everything's great. It's not. Our kids are dying. So has something changed? And I'm not saying that, of course, how we grew up was perfect or anything like that, but I don't remember this kind of rash and really it's all over the place. Washington state's quarterback who started the bowl game this last year had a huge, you know, a couple big appearances during the year, shot himself in his room. And, you know, it, it seems to be happening and maybe it's just social media. You just hear about it a lot more, but in your guys' opinion, has something changed over the last few years over the last decade that is, is causing this to happen maybe a little bit more often. I read a great article that uh, pastor Jim Stevens, one of our pastors here uh, on staff sent me, this week about the effect of technology and right. specifically social media on anxiety, uh, cyberbullying, and mm. depression. Uh, and I think, you, you know, I don't want to overstate that, but I think absolutely. 
no question yeah. that the effect of social media and the constant availability of things like feeling bad about yourself because of what you see on mm-hmm. social media, uh, being reached out to by people that you'd rather not talk to, things like this um, that didn't exist when we were growing up that are now everywhere. Yeah. No doubt this is having an effect. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's it's staggering to see the amount of, like, just, uh, you know, when you're, when you're behind the, you know, keys of a of a phone or you know the the computer or whatever just how easy it is to tear somebody down and like the fact that like a student can have someone text them out of nowhere and just be like i think you're worthless you're ugly you look like this and it's like and and just out of nowhere i mean and you know i one of our students who's a girl she's beautiful and she's like i just got a snap from one of my friends and she said that she thought i was ugly and stupid and should die and you're like i mean that you know how do you say that to someone's face let alone like sure. you know text that and i think there is a huge current of um just such access to technology but but even more than that i think there's a, a spirit of just like emptiness and hopelessness that comes um that's just it seems really prevalent this generation you mm-hmm. know i mean like you look at the top 10 songs on spotify and not to like be that guy but i mean you know one of them was like all my friends are dead push me to the edge all my friends are dead you know and it's like okay (laughs) you know it's and suicide as as a uh, i guess cultural thing you know i think of of the netflix 13 13 reasons Reasons why right um and i know uh there are positives to it becoming more mainstream as far as the conversation like i just said we want to talk about it right uh but also it becomes more of an option i think as it becomes kind of something within the zeitgeist or whatever mm-hmm. in kids minds that okay i have this option as an out yeah and you know one of the things that just kind of sucks about the whole entire conversation is just talking with the student and every student that commits suicide is really just you know like correctly honored and they you know it's obvious like so many people loved them and all of a sudden in students mind where they feel like you know i'm worthless i suck but I see all these other people that are like honored and glorified and, and, and celebrated. Right. And it's just all of a sudden this weird, like they were so close to me. I loved them. And it's almost this, and I don't even know how to explain this weird. If I do this, I will also right and be honored and loved and remembered. And, well, you know, right. a student literally shared with me, they're like, I, I, you know, I just, I feel like that's the only way for me to be thought of in yeah. a positive light. And oh, you're man. just like, Oh my gosh, you know? And, and so it's it is an absolute just epidemic that we need to put our whole weight into as a church and I really believe like honestly with with the amount of influence that we have that we can make a dent in that we can partner with local organizations and 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 bring some hope and bring some light and life and into our students. Yeah, ask somebody is the biggest thing to me. Yeah. Just talk to somebody. And I know that we aren't necessarily trained for all of this and we I can't spot depression from a while away. But while I am not trained and I am unprofessional, I'm just going to ask more questions in the right. meantime to anybody. I will shotgun this thing and just say, let, I will talk to all of you about this. You know, how are right. you doing? How are you doing? And really one of the things, Bo Stern puts it this way. I love, I love how she uses this word. She calls them bullets in her own life, in her own people. I know that's not necessarily the most appropriate thing for this topic sure. of conversation, but – um, you know, she talks about whenever shame comes into her life, she creates these bullets of truth that she that she shoots into those into that shame 
to annihilate it and get mm-hmm. it out of her life so it can't come and speak anymore. And one of the things that I've developed that I say to people is just – and I've never had anybody get mad at me when I've said this to them is just say you, that's not who you are. Right. That's not who you are. That's not to say, gosh, you're just so awful or whatever. But when we're writhing in shame, that's not who you are. And that's exactly how Jesus came and did it. When he, yeah. said, he died, he rose again, he said – this is no longer who you are. Right. You're no longer subject to this law. You're no longer subject to make all these sacrifices. You're no longer just going to strive your whole life to try right. to be made righteous. You have been made righteous. Yeah. And so if you can take a second to do that, as mm-hmm. a, some of you listeners out there, just to ask people how they are. And then if, if they're going down this wrong road, you don't got to be all confrontational, but just say, hey, I believe in you. That's not who you are yeah. going down that direction. Well, and I think there's such a huge distinction between for students what – is they, you know, like basically what I would tell a student is I'm like, you know, there's a big difference between like what you feel and those are powerful and you can really experience those feelings. But there's a big difference between feelings and the truth. Like the truth is you have people who love you. The truth is you have people that would be devastated if this happened to you. The truth is, is that you are so valued and loved. And I know you might not feel this way, feel that way in this moment, but right. you have to listen to this right now. It's like, you have people that love you, that care about you. And I mean, even just things like, man, at the end of the day, like the things that you're pressuring yourself about grades, like no employer is going to sit here and look at you and be like, Hey, I know you want to apply for this, uh, you know, job, but I noticed that you have a C minus in chemistry or your sophomore year. I'm so sorry. You know, like that's never going to happen to yeah. you. And I was like, and it's important that, you know, you do good and all that. But at the same time, like a lot of the pressure that you're experiencing, there's so much life that happens after high school. There's right. so much life, like the best moments of my life, getting married, having a son, buying a house, all happened after high school. Sure. And kids uh, don't understand many times that they're making a permanent decision right. to a temporary issue, to right. a temporary relationship problem or a school issue. Uh, and and that's really such a tragedy, such a tragedy. Obviously, the whole thing is a tragedy. But to think I need an out of this right Momentary, issue I'm in yeah. in this moment, and then that's permanent. You know, yeah. it's just devastating. And we can't underestimate. And you mentioned this: the effect of an adult's words in the life of uh, a young person. And I, I just I right. mean, today I was talking with somebody who came, uh, one of our young people that came through the hallways here at the church today. Uh, he's dealt with crippling anxiety, mm-hmm. especially in the last year. Um, and I haven't seen him around for a while uh, talking with him. And I was just, it became so obvious that the words that I was saying mattered so much to him. Right. And so I just took a moment right. just to encourage him and speak life into him and say, you know, you're welcome here and we love you. And you could just see like those words are life. Right. And I yeah. forget that my words have power. Like I can, I can save somebody's life with a conversation. And we have the tendency to be the prisoner of the moment too. Sometimes we, we get so caught up in exactly what has just happened. A right. word that's just said, and we forget uh, even talking about the way of Jesus, how this is a larger thing. This isn't about accomplishing the rule at the moment necessarily. Right. It's about following Jesus. And man, I hope that's an encouragement to to parents out there as a parent of two young kids. Sometimes I am such a prisoner of the diaper that I'm changing right now. And to think, man, this is where I'm at. And you, <laughs> right. I have right. to constantly, I'm a better parent when I bring myself in those moments back to this is a life. This is a long-term thing. I'm a better pastor when I think these are lives. This is a long-term effort to to help allow people to be discipled by Jesus. And when you think of students different that way, you think of people in your church different that way, you think of your neighbors when when you have that mindset and perspective. Yeah. Well, and again, like that idea of fighting the right battles, you know, like I, I was a 
terrible student when I was in middle school, really up until my freshman year. My parents just agonized over it. And eventually I figured it out, you know, like I had the right support. I had consistent encouragement and I figured it out, you know, and I think even like things like sports, the pressure to do good in sports, the pressure to do good in school, the pressure to do good in activities, they're all temporary things, right? you know, and it's like you put so much pressure on students to say like succeed in this moment. Where it's like, oh, my whole life. I mean, I remember feeling that pressure in high school. Like, if I don't, if I don't do, get good grades, I won't get into a good college, and my life is eternally over. Right. You yeah. know, when it's not. Right. I mean, some of my best friends who work for Airbnb and Nike, um, man, they did terrible in school, and they did terrible in their associate's degrees, and now they're like, like senior like web developers for Nike yeah. and hosting like Airbnb services on the entire West Coast. You know. And, yeah, and, and creating vision in kids' lives for the long term right. is that's something right that, right that we have to own and we have to do better at because uh, you know kids are short sighted. <laughs> their whole world is wrapped up in their high school or their mm-hmm. friend circle, and painting a picture saying this is what think about this vision for your whole life, the next mm-hmm. fifty, eighty years, whatever mm-hmm. it is of your life. I mean, that's a big picture, and right. so many times their vision is so small. Well, so the best with, is yet to come. You with know? just yeah. a little bit of time left, Evan, real quick, I want to throw this in because you just kind of threw it at the end of your message. We're talking about starting a ministry or making it available for kids with special needs. Yeah. Um, why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. How did that come up? It seems like something that, uh, especially you and, and Joni, are really passionate about here at Westside. Yeah, and this was uh, I threw out a lot of opportunities. This one specifically has gotten an overwhelming response. I mean, I think we have over uh, almost a dozen people. That's awesome. A little less. But people, trained people that have done this before that say, I want in. And it's been in my heart as we've had a a couple different families and parents um, come and say, hey, you know, I have a special needs kid uh, on the spectrum with autism and and different issues for different families. Uh, A young child at VBS, uh, same kind of situation. And they're looking for us as the church to help them, come alongside them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what that takes is very focused, specially trained folks who can give their undivided attention to right. these kids so that their families can have some level of normalcy yeah. when it comes to interacting at things like VBS mm-hmm. camps, services. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to lean into this this year. And so that's what that, this was about is launching um, really a group of people who are saying, yeah, I'll show up. Yeah, I'll give parents uh, one night a month to just go out and we'll take care of their kids here. Um, we'll be there for VBS. We'll be given one-on-one attention at camp, those kind of things. I think it's going to be huge. Yeah. You know, and it's a, it's such a small group compared to the rest of the, the crowd that sometimes we don't think about it. We don't focus on that, but man, what a difference that can make yeah. for a family. Well, and I, I think when we were researching that, what, what did we find out? It was a 95% of all families with special needs don't attend church yeah. simply because it's just so much, you know, just yeah. going anywhere. And, and so when we saw, it, I was just like, man, that's a huge need. And I mean, you know, what a blessing. I already got people lined up and yeah. And, that and I understand up. that not every church has the resources, but when we started talking about those numbers, how just few churches had anything available, it's a little embarrassing yeah. uh, to me as a, Christ follower, yeah. that if we're going to talk about the importance of this community and, and how we need to come together and spend this time, that we would just completely whiff, not even think about bringing this in, into being a regular part of the life of our church. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So by the spring, we want to have a program in place. I'm not sure what it'll look like um, exactly, but uh, begin to offer um, ways for, for kids with special needs to to have an ally here. Yeah. So what are all the opportunities real quick that people can get involved with? 
so some of the things uh, we're launching our new family commons, which is going to be a new uh, area yeah. to build community for families with young kids. Also check in. Uh, right now, everybody has to check in each kid individually in their own class. Um, that's going to go all centralized. So a family with three kids can check in all at once and then just drop off kids in the appropriate classrooms. Uh, we need people to help run that. Uh, we need moms and dads, especially millennial moms and dads with yeah. young kids, willing to give up one service a month just to come in and hang out with their kid. Uh, we need... Um, I, I don't have the list in front of me. Yeah. Um, talking about special needs. That was part special of needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then always with our special events, whether it's VBS, mm-hmm. Spencer, your camps, yeah. 10 city is a huge one, which is our summer camp. Right. Uh, just because there's so many, um, different things we do during that camp. We need people. Yeah, van drivers, to step up. kitchen, everything, yeah. man. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's so awesome. the opportunities, and again, it's not, that we can't do it without a bunch of people. We need people obviously to run our programs, but more than that, we need the whole church to catch this vision of 30 years from now, whatever happens in the church, that's kind of on us now and the decisions we're making now and the way we're investing now. And so it's, it's really just, just trying to say, Hey church, come on, wake up. Let's all do this together. That's good. You know? Right. So anyway, uh, well, thanks guys for the conversation. Of course. Uh, this is obviously on all of our hearts. We're the student ministries team here at Westside. But we hope um, that this kind of catches on in this thought, especially when we talk about pulling kids back from yeah. that line of life and death. Uh, church, it's time to own that, yeah. all of us, you know. So it's good. Uh, next week, we have Keith Jenkins, uh, pastor all right. from Beaverton, Oregon. We're going to try to get him here on the podcast, uh, which should be very entertaining. So I hope you'll check that out next <laughs> week be great. with Pastor Keith Jenkins. Uh, thank you for listening to Behind the Message. You can check us out at westsidechurch.org or anytime at behindthemessage.org.